Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Today's the official, official, official anniversary for Project Service as well. So we get to be in practice while while celebrating five years. Look how far we've come. Yeah. So... um, I'm just getting situated. I'm just finishing my, uh, just had a great course call. I'm just uh, putting, switching my course material out for <laughs> practitioner material. Give me just one second, but uh, talk amongst yourselves. Let me finish the game up. So, Sean and I were just saying we were looking forward to the retreat. Oh my gosh, I'm looking so forward to it. I know. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, yes. And remember, everyone needs to bring a virgin to offer uh, to the fire gods. If, uh, <laughs> if you haven't found one yet, please get on that. I'm just bring myself then. I've got mine. Oh, do you have a do you have a time machine, Patsy? You gonna go get yourself some? I have no idea what you mean by that, Jesse. <laughs> Patsy wakes up every day like it's a new like it's a new life. It's very very inspiring, Patsy. It is. Uh, she has absolutely no attachment or remembrance of the past. <laughs> Um, okay. Beautiful. So let me just get on. Just so you know, like when I we do class, it's a kind of an operation here. I'm not only on the phone, I'm also on the computer, which shows how many callers I have, make sure that I'm being recorded and all that stuff. So I have to make sure. I was I was looking at it, thinking like this doesn't make sense, but it's because I was on the the uh, Course in Miracles page and not the practitioner page. So I'm just going to my tissue page so it will actually make sense. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, I'm going to do a little roll call here. I know that um, Chris Tompkins is not going to be on the call today because there's a fun run happening um, in West Hollywood. So he had to go. He needed extra hands on deck at the Abbey. So. All right, so Shushant is here. Patsy yep. is here. Georgina, are you on the call? Okay. Uh, Mar. Is Mar on the call? Okay, I hear Brian. 
Uh, yep. Chris is going to be here. Mike. Mike Marinkovich. Here. Hey, Mike. And Lisa. Here. Great. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. All right, cool. Um, Pat, do you know if Mara's going to hop on the call? She, she is, yeah. She's, um, I think she's hung up. Uh, she, she got put on hold trying to set up an appointment. So she'll be here shortly. Probably her right now. Hey, Mara, is that you that just hopped on? Yep, that's me. Hey, okay, cool. Awesome. So, Sushant, you were just in the uh, course call, so I know that you're already warmed up. So why don't you uh, pray us in? All right. <clears throat> Taking a deep breath of gratitude and love. I thank, uh, for this, I thank the Holy Spirit for this gathering and bringing us together, uh, giving thanks for each life, each soul that is present in this class and is learning. I offer up any blocks and hindrances that may uh, assist in the highest learning and the highest hearing. I declare that we are light, we are life, we are committed to this path, and I share this with one mind, and I allow it to be. Amen. 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 Beautiful. So, um, so let's check in real quick. How is uh, how's it going out there, practitioners? What's uh, what's new? Let me hear from you. I think for me, yesterday at work, um, I had like three, four situations that felt sort of like really intense in terms of like having to like uh, be really strong with disciplining students in terms of like following school policy and stuff. And there's a student who was like using his cell phone and I asked him like three times to not use it and I had to get really sort of like forceful and authoritative and the day before I was talking to him because there was a misunderstanding and he just sort of walked out and I was like, hey, Ibrahim, come here. And he just like ignored me and walked away. I was like, okay. So coming into it from that, you know, him being on his phone, I felt a little charged already. And I was like, okay, Sashan, just like breathe, calm down. And then he started talking in Arabic with his friend and it's like, a clear policy, and I, and, you know, I say this almost every class that you can't speak any other language than English. So I was just like, actually, Ibrahim, can you leave the class right now and go talk to Ian, who's the supervisor, in the morning? And he was like, why? I was like, just go talk to him. Please leave class. And he left the class, and so Ian came back, and he was like, hey, what happened? And so I explained the situation. He was like. Yeah, you know, he he said that it was his fault and, you know, he was being disrespectful and stuff like that. But he said that um, he felt that you pay attention to to everybody, to everybody in class other than than him. And I was like, oh, wow, like, maybe... 
Okay, folks, there's some real intense background noise. So unless it's Shushant, uh, if we could all just put our hand our handhelds on mute, that'd be great. Thanks. Go ahead. So, uh, so um, he, Ian came back and he was like, yeah, he was like, you know, um, I just feel like Sushant pays attention to everyone in class except for me. And Ian was like, well, do you like the class? And he was like, yeah, it's a great class. And he was like, do you like Sushant? And he was like, yeah, I really like him. And uh, he was like, you know, Ian was like, well, you know, sometimes because it's a large class, all teachers can't pay, teachers can't pay attention to, like, every student. But, like, when Ian said that, I was like, oh, my God, it's so true. Like, you know, Ibrahim has, like, this sort of, like, angry look on his face all the time. And so I don't, like, really approach him because a couple of times that I have, he'd, he'd seem like, you know, like he didn't really want me to, like, communicate with him or that he knew the answer and there wasn't much more. So when he said that, it really surprised me. I was like, oh, wow, like, I totally wouldn't have guessed that that is what is happening. And so it also made me kind of go inward and be like, what part of myself am I not paying attention to? You know, because then it's my outside is sort of a reflection of the inside. And it was like a really kind of clear thing of like, okay, you're not paying attention to this aspect. And I was like, okay, great, got it. But even in the evening, like, you know, my boss was so, like, rushed and harried and she was asking me to do a million things and I had to stay a little bit late. And I was just being quiet and I didn't say anything and I had this moment, like, thing of, like, oh, I just want to leave. Why can't I just leave? Like, why am I having to stay? And I had this dialogue going inside and I was just like, doing the Katie, Katie Perry work. I mean, not Katie Perry, sorry. Byron Katie work um, with like, okay, should you really be leaving? I'm like, no, I shouldn't because I'm here. So what are the benefits of you not leaving? And then, you know, like, okay, maybe there's a car accident or maybe like traffic is too bad or all of those different things. So I had moments, but I found myself at points being in judgment of like feeling these feelings of either, you know, anxiety or worry or I'm not being spiritual enough or something in this situation. And then, you know, just the text that you had sent in the beginning of the week were like, you know, should I be having that thought of like, I'm not being spiritual enough in this situation? Like, no, I shouldn't, (laughs) you know, like, so yesterday was a really, really good sort of day for me to practice all of those things. You know, Byron Katie's really masterful in time in situations like that. When, uh, People have this idea of I'm not being spiritual enough, or when they really talk about like enlightenment, because she's like, "Oh, you should be enlightened." Is that true? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Because it's and she goes, "Well, what is enlightenment?" And you know, enlightenment for most and every single person on this planet, and I say most every single person on this planet is is what we have read about or what we have been told about. And it sounds great. But like anything, we have we don't have a knowing until we have the experience. And Katie really makes that clear too about this this beating ourselves up because we're not more enlightened. Because she's like, we don't know what enlightenment is. like what is enlightenment. Except, you know go ahead. Uh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say I love what uh, 
Thich Han has to say about that. He says there's no enlightenment outside of daily life. And so enlightenment's just an ongoing process, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's not sort of like this absolute fixed thing. It's just literally the whatever it is that's that's illuminating something for you in that moment. Well, even if you're doing the course as well, it has also the course claims that, you know, enlightenment is available if we truly understood this chair, if we could truly see the chair, if we could truly see the desk, if we could truly see the table, therein lies, you know, the keys to the kingdom. Right. But um, but there's an addiction, a thought addiction that we have, and this is why the I think the Brian Katie work is so valuable. There's a thought addiction that we should be somewhere else, that we're doing it wrong, that we should be doing something else, that we should things should be different than they are, and so that's why we're not being spiritual enough. Well, let me tell you, it is stressful to try to be spiritual all the time because. Being spiritual all the time is such an abstract concept as well. Spirituality is such an abstract concept as well. And again, it's a lot of like what we've read in books, you know, what people have told us. But when you really get down to the base of it, it's a belief that we are one with perfect love, that love is our inherent nature. So to be, live a spiritual life is to do your best to be loving and kind and then to move through fear as it arises. And if we're doing that, then we're living a spiritual life. And this idea as well of, you know, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes, we are. So why not enjoy the experience? There is this fear that if we enjoy ourselves too much on the planet doing earthly things, then we're losing sight of, You know, like there is some sort of dignity in not having or, you know, it's like that romanticism of poverty, like to enjoy the things of the earth is somehow less spiritual. Where, think about it, if God is joy and we're enjoying the experience, then aren't we right on track? But it's this, you know, but even there, then we have this thing of, yeah, but enlightenment. Yeah, we got to get enlightened, though. And what is enlightenment? We're not sure, but we think that it's probably something other than what we're doing now because we're so um, we're so uh, conditioned to think that we need to be that we're not doing it good enough, that we're not doing it good enough, we're not being spiritual enough. Well, now that I'm being spiritual, now that I'm enjoying myself, now that I'm loving and kind, yeah, but you know what? I'm not enlightened yet, which I'm not even sure what that means, but I'm not that yet because I don't feel like it. So now. I have something else that I'm not doing right. Now I can take myself out. Now that chain of misery can start around this idea of I'm not enlightened. Who's ever had that experience of like feeling great and then having that idea, yeah, but I'm not enlightened. I'm not doing it quite good enough. Anyone ever have that experience? Or how about I'm not being spiritual enough? Who would like to share about that? I think every day, you know. Is that, is that Mar? Yeah. Share about that. No, I mean, I, I question it every day, you know. 
um, I have to I have to remind myself on a daily basis that I just have to be very present in terms of how I show up. But I mean, I think for me it's a it's a struggle. I mean, I have days. I mean, you know, I, I think that I have days when I wake up and I I'm good, and then I have other days and I think I just fail miserably. Um, what do you and, do when you fail? Uh, well, what, as in, as in what are the things that qualify as you fail? Um, I I think that sometimes you know I I'm, I'm human and I and I have my days when I don't show up as my best self, um, and I and I have to catch myself. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a constant. I think. Um, Wait, listen, I'm going to pause you for a, I'm going to pause you for. A, what is your best self? What's my what? What is your best self? Um, I I think my best self is when I'm not in judgment of others and myself, because I can I tend to be rather hard on myself, and um, and I think especially having to deal in situations where. I'm dealing with individuals that I really haven't, I don't have much in common with, or I'm having to struggle at my day job because I don't, I'm not in line with most of the people that I work with, and I sometimes have to struggle with that. Um, and sometimes what I do is just, I, I just, just check out, basically when I'm at work because I'd rather check out than have to deal with somebody that I am not feeling. So, um, you know, and, and I sort of have to remind myself that, you know, they're, they're, they're whatever their battle is, they're going through it as well. Um, you know, I, I think that, that's a struggle for me. And sometimes well, I think me, that it's what's that? Go ahead. I mean, and, you know, and it's and sometimes I delude myself into thinking that if I was in a different environment, everything would be totally better, which is not necessarily true. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm at my day job, it's like, Ugh, you know, I have nothing in common with these people. I don't like these people. Um, they're petty and they're small, and I don't want to deal with them. You know, um, but. You know, and I'm somebody who just checks out. You know, I'm I'm not somebody who is good at dealing with the situation at hand. I just check out, and and then later on, I might just deal with the situation at hand. But if I'm not feeling a situation, if I'm not feeling someone, I just completely check out. I just I don't you know, and I'm working on that. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. Uh huh. If I may. One, this, uh, God, you know, uh, this idea, and I don't know when it was started. Um, I mean, I know Oprah's whole platform is live your best life. But uh, that is an extremely stressful philosophy um, to have because it keeps you in a state of always being wrong, always not measuring up, always failing. You get how that works? Do you, do you see how that's 
uh, you know what I mean? Like you just said, like, well, I'm not showing up as my best self, and so then, you know, waves of judgment, waves of failure, waves of I'm not spiritual enough, waves of I'm just going to check out, you know, waves of these people are petty and blah, 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 and I'm not this, I shouldn't be here, blah, 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 all because of this idea of best self. When your best self often is just a fantasy of what you think you could, you should be, right? Right. Yeah, well, my best self is better dressed, and my best self is, you know, is thinner, and my best self is healthier, and my best self is nicer, and my best self is more open, my best self doesn't check out, my best self has a different job, my best self is doing this, I'm just not that today. So, like, what is this fantasy self that you've created that you're comparing yourself to? Like, we already know that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And so what are you going to do? You're going to compare yourself to a fictitious idea that you've developed of who you think you could be, and we're going to call that my best self. Like, that's crazy that we, and, and everybody just does it to themselves. You know, I do it all the time. You know, there were times where I would just beat myself up for having gossiped or having had a judgment about someone or having or I've allowed something to upset me, and I would just literally weeks and weeks of just depression because I didn't match up to some weird, fancy expectation I had of myself. And we, this is not an uncommon thing. And it falls under, and not being spiritual enough completely falls under that thing. So what Byron Katie gives us permission to do is, you know, Go into inquiry. You shouldn't check out. Is that true? Of course it's not true. How do we know it's not true? It's because it's what I'm doing. Okay. So who would you be without the thought? I shouldn't be checking out. I would be free to check out. I would be free and open and available to whatever insights can come from checking out. You know? I would be my best self, even in this process of, quote, unquote, checking out. You know, I mean, think of like what was great in the video, the Byron Katie video this week is the, the man that was, you know, working with cancer. People, I've seen people who are sick, I mean, create so much misery in their life trying to think of like, what am I thinking? Why am I doing this to myself? I know my thoughts create and there's something in me that is, you know, what thoughts am I having that's creating this cancer? It's like, honey, chill out, you know? And so what she did was she completely turned it around and was like, what are, what, what is, you know, what are, are the, all the benefits that have come as a result of this? And he was able to shift himself into a state of joy. There it is, joyfulness. He was able to change his mind, release the judgments that he was holding, all the misperceptions about how awful the cancer was. And he reminded himself of how great it was having it because he opened his heart, his relationships got better, he became more fearless, you know. And then if that's not the learning there, you know, the potential that is available there, he wasn't beating himself up for being, like, not spiritual enough to where he got cancer. I mean, geez. And so the invitation here, guys, is to really, especially as we go deeper and deeper into this work where we're getting more information, um, and as we apply it to ourselves, one, gentleness, 
my goodness gracious. And two, trust that you're exactly in the, you are always living your best life. You can't not be living your best life. How do you know? Because it's a life you're living right now. What else would there be? Some fantasy? Some fantasy perception that you'd like to get to one day? You know, it was interesting. Like, I had this moment. When I married Chris, I gained probably 15, 20 pounds. And I was in denial of that, and I was in so much shame about it. Like, I had done some, like, awful criminal offense. And, of course, the people that I went to for counsel were the people that would affirm for me that I was doing something awful. And so I would buy pants that were um, my old pant size, which I no longer was anymore, and I would be uncomfortable all the time. I'd have cramps and stomach aches because my pants were so tight. I'd wear shirts that did not look good on me anymore. But it was almost like it was a sadistic punishment. And also I thought, oh, it will serve as inspiration to get me thinner again because thin is so important. It's so important, you know. But I couldn't do it until eventually I thought, forget about this. This is torture. So I went and I bought pants that fit. And you know what? They looked good. I felt better. I was I was more available. I didn't feel fat. You know, a great way to feel fat is wear clothes that are too small. That will help you feel fat. And it was less of a conversation. And I was able to look at myself in pictures and be like, oh, look how nice I look. I'm wearing clothes that fit. (laughs) My God. And I took the judgment away of having gained the weight. You know, I really had to work with that, really have to work with that. And that's, you know, something I work with all the time. And I could try to, you know, beat myself up, like, why am I not spiritual enough? Why am I still, like, body conscious? But that's just where I'm at. I Obviously, there is some learning there for me, and I continue to go into inquiry so I can love myself more. And in the meantime, I'm wearing pants that feel comfortable. So I'm not, you know, trying to teach a meditation thinking, my God, I want to blow my brains out because I can't breathe. There's two sort of, you know, uh, as, I, as I might from my experience, two perceptions. One is that this life, this dimension, is an attack on God. It's an ego attack on God. You know, everything here, uh, you know, some of the fundamental, uh, fundamentalists that teach the Course will say that, you know, will say, yeah, but what about all the beautiful nature and things like that? They'll be like, well, under the ground, you know, they're the, even the trees are in competition for the waters. Everything's we're always at war. It's always at war. There's that perception. And that's, you know, some people believe that. So it supports them in not getting too entranced in anything in this realm so they continue to do their spiritual work. The other perception is that we are here by choice, that in a sense that we're adventurers, collecting information for the collective. And in that perception... I feel is a lot more freedom to enjoy ourselves during the process, to be okay with feeling drawn. Last and on Wednesday's class, one of the girls, well, I'll share because we're it's a group share and you can listen to the recording. Ellie was really beating herself up because she was, um, you know, she felt like she was too uh, distracted by the physical realm. She called it. And I'm like, well, what's physical realm? What are you talking about? And she's beating herself up because she likes nice stuff. <laughs> I, was like, my, I was like, my God, like, you don't have to beat yourself up because you like to do your makeup, get pedicures, have your hair, go to a nice salon to have your hair done and drive a nice car. Like, for the love of God, like, if you feel drawn towards those things, let's trust that there's purpose behind it. 
and enjoy the process. And in the freedom of feeling joyful, continue to do your work. But there's this like, I mean, it's this consciousness that we really have to, uh, you know, we can, we really get to heal that, uh, you know, something's unspiritual about, that anything in this realm is unspiritual. You know, if you feel inspired to go towards it, trust that you feel, trust your inspiration in spirit. Enjoy it while you're there. And when it's no longer a fit for you, you don't have to worry about it. Get new pants. You know, just like my body changed, I can try to fight it and judge it, or I can get pants that fit. You know, eventually you'll realize I'm in habits, I'm in patterns, I'm in relationships or whatever that just don't feel good anymore. They don't fit. I know that God is joy. I trust that I'm in alignment when I'm feeling happy. So I'll go towards what in my perception right now, you know, is supporting me in doing that. Maybe it's meditation, maybe it's a vacation, but let's stop the judgment and stop thinking that we're not being spiritual enough, because what the hell does that even mean? Who else would like to share about this? Uh, Jesse, I can really relate to this because I noticed myself trying to put everything in some type of a like a puzzle where all the pieces. I want them to fit. And um, I can never really do this. Um, it's very, that's when I really kind of go crazy on myself. And um, that means beat myself up. And um, I notice that my best self is when I'm just flying by the seat of my pants and I do it on purpose. And everything is kind of dis... I, I really don't think about a lot. I just kind of... On purpose, I just disorganize everything. And um, I really don't know what I am doing. And I have the best days ever. But... It's like, yes, that's great. I have the best days ever and things just, you know... But they're still not put together in any type of puzzle. <laughs> so I don't know why I, I'm just kind of left like what, you know. I can't put it in any type of puzzle that fits together, but yet it's like the best thing. Well, that's great insight. That's really great insight because, you know, you can sit around and beat yourself up because you're not more clear on how everything is supposed to fit together. And there's some part of you or some book or some whatever that you read that maybe there was some feng shui book you read years ago that says everything needs to fit perfectly. Your insights match your outside or your outsides match your inside and everything has order, da 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 and maybe that's some people's bliss, but for you that might not be how it works at all. You know, maybe for you it's, you know, there's a pile for everything and you'll get to it. So make a pile, put it over there, and you'll try you'll figure out what it's for later. And maybe that's your bliss. Maybe that's what makes you happy and less distracted. So you can be available to be loving and kind with each moment. But yeah, you have this idea I just that don't know it can be it, different. Just... Mm-hmm. I don't know if the pieces will ever fit together. I think I'd probably just give that up. The yeah. whole idea. How much free, how does it feel? So let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's go into a little inquiry. How does it feel 
when you think, you know what, I'm going to give myself permission to give up the thought that they should fit together. How does it feel? It's a, a mix of feelings. It's uh, uncomfortable, but yet blissful at the same, or like very exciting and exhilarating at the same time. Yeah. And it's funny because that's the kind of life I always want. The exhilarating mm-hmm. adventure. Well, that's great then. What great insight. It's just hard when everybody wants you to, you know, have, you know, they put these expectations and I'm not trying to blame them or anything, but it's just like you want to please the other people in your life. Well, you, you do know? until you don't. You do until you don't. Yeah, exactly. That's the piece that doesn't fit. That's one of the pieces that never end up fitting your eye exactly to shake. You know, I yeah, I mean, <laughs> for sure, people pleasing is painful, y'all. Oh my God, trust me, I am. That is so up in my face. Uh, everywhere that I people please, and uh, it's painful, especially like, you know, when you stop doing things you don't want to do. Oh my gosh, you have so much more time. And you find that you're so much happier. But when we get into these patterns of I need to do this or else so and so is going to be hurt or upset, you know I'm going to do I need to do this or or you know I'm going to really they're going to really hate me for that. Well, what what kind of decision making process is that? Is that the kind of relationships you want to have? You know, relationships of obligation and you know things like that. Like it, that's painful, you know. And then what what begins to happen? You build up resentment. You start resenting the people that you love. And then are you having a great time when you're there? Usually not because you're not doing something you'd like to be doing. Or you're trying to live a life you don't feel comfortable doing. You know, I mean, look, we have all those examples of, you know, gay people that got into heterosexual marriages because it's what they were supposed to do and then they kill themselves or they're miserable or eventually they, you know, sabotage the entire thing because they can't not be gay. They had to find pants that fit. Maybe we should all go back to corduroys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was the best thing of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm the just- bliss. <laughs> okay, I actually, it's interesting this came up. I put, if anybody if wants to look, on the practitioner page this morning, was Byron Katie doing a thing on, um, I need your, your approval. And so it was kind of interesting because some of the comments people were making, she was like, hello, you know, you try to be something you're not, and then you're not happy, and they're not going to approve of you either, so suck it up. <laughs> but it's, I just put on the practitioner page, like, Two hours ago, if anybody's interested in. Okay. There, uh, I put my book somewhere, and I don't know where I put it. Bumming me out a little bit, but that it is what it is. I trust that it's a perfect thing to be unfolding. But I've been reading um, this Ernest Holmes book. 
And, you know, Ernest Holmes is a rock star, guys. He just is. <laughs> I just love him so much. But the opening line of the book was, if I could give you a gift, it would be the understanding that if you believe, that you must believe this to be true in order for it to work. Yes. You must believe this is true in order for this to, for, in order for it to work. And he was talking in um, reference, he was referencing the law of cause and effect. And he was referencing, uh, you know, more so uh, our jobs as practitioners in the realm of doing prayer treatments for people. We cannot expect... Somebody's phone mute. There's uh, some background noise and I can't hear it. Oh, yeah, maybe if we could all mute our handhelds. So, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Hold on one second. Thank you, Brian, for uh, helping us with the background noise. So, we cannot expect miracles to unfold if we don't believe it's possible, and we definitely are not going to see miracles unfold if we don't believe the law of cause and effect is true. And so, if we do not believe that there is, that our natural state is one of that you know that God that that we are all connected through a creative force which we call God, which is perfect love, and within that there is no nothing missing. Then we are not going to be able to effectively support the people coming to us for prayer treatment. And so, um, that's why. Uh, if anything else, if, it, if we take anything else out of the power of your subconscious mind, and again, we can substitute subconscious mind for spiritual mind um, or universal mind, that within us, which is interconnected, that creative force, that life-giving forward-moving force, that it operates purely on law, and law does not discern. It says yes. So if we believe it, so shall we experience it. Let's say that one more time. If we believe it, so shall we experience it. So let's talk a little bit about the reading from this week. Um, And Brian, I'm going to invite you to share. Brian's been um, offering up a really wonderful he gives really great insights and really wonderful writings. And, uh, and uh, Brian, I'd even invite you to post some of your writings in the, uh, in the group because I'd love to share them with um, some of the people. He really gives, um, you know, I, in Brian's, um, to give Brian a little testimonial here, um, you know, and this is something I encourage everyone to practice is if Brian doesn't resonate with some of the reading, he'll share that. Uh, and he's always, what's great is he's always open for a conversation about it too because he's willing to have another insight. But like we've talked about from the beginning, spiritual sovereignty, you know, uh, we can't experience knowing until we have an experience of it, that which we are doing, Right? But in order to have the experience of it, 
we have to be completely willing and available for it. So that's why it's so important to ask questions, to not just accept it as is, you know, especially if there's a part of you that is questioning it, because that's just an invitation for more judgment on your part of I'm wrong, I'm not seeing this right. So in groups like this, we're continuing the conversation. The conversation is always expanding, and uh, the conversation deepens and enriches through our willingness to ask questions. So um, anyways, with that said, I'm not saying that that's what Brian's going to do here. I'm just going to invite Brian to share some of his insights and thoughts that he had from uh, the reading this last week. Okay. And, uh, uh, and, we'll, and we'll open the floor, by the way. So uh, Brian's just going to begin, and if you'd like to share or add on or ask questions, feel free. We have 20 minutes left of this um, to talk about subconscious mind. Yes, please. Let's have more of a dialogue than just me uh, saying what's going on for me. Because uh, the part of me sharing with what's going on for me is like Jesse said, I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm open for a deeper understanding when I have uh, a problem uh, with one particular part. And Jesse, I want to give you permission at any time you can post anything that I write that you think might be pertinent for the group rather than me just... Uh, I, I do post things for the group every once in a while, but, but I just want you... I want to be clear that uh, everything that I write is for everybody uh, and not just you. Great. So feel free to do that. Um, the... I'm, I'm having difficulty with the subconscious mind process. Uh, and, and specifically, let me get my notes here. Um, when he was saying that uh, on page 60, uh, um, oh, I don't have the quote in front of me. Um, it, it has to do with, with your, your right thinking that uh, you, will, you will get the benefits. You will, like, uh, bad thoughts create sickness. I, I, I understand, you know, positive thoughts and, and all that stuff. And at the same time, uh, I was taking exception to that in my experience, and I have limited experience, uh, sickness, old age, and death, are conditions of life. And he says that the, the body is renewing itself constantly, and that's true, but it is not completely true because as the body renews itself and as it makes copies of, as the cells make copies of themselves, they do not replicate exactly. They mutate, they run out of nutrients, they age, they die. If we were making exact copies of ourselves all the time, we would still be infants. And the idea that uh, we think uh, ourselves into illness, how about a, a baby that's born with a heart defect? How about uh, someone that uh, is born and then within a few, few months of their, their birth, they, they catch some uh, Ebola and, and they die. So I don't completely buy into this idea that all sickness is caused by negative thinking. In fact, I, I, it makes me angry to, to hear that. It sounds like such a, such a cop-out. Um, so I, I really need more understanding. Now, we, we, let me remind you, I absolutely get that the subconscious works. 
his examples. I know how the mind works. I know how the uh, cerebral cortex, I, I get all that. There's just some something in there that is uh, that I'm rebelling against. There's something in there that I don't understand completely. And I don't think it's just my, my unwillingness to do the work. I'm, I'm very willing, and I do, uh, when, before I go to sleep, I, I look at my life and I, I see where there's things that, that I want to have made manifest, and I give myself those suggestions and, and all of that. Uh, and then on top of that, one other thing that needs to come up for discussion is I come from a Hindu-Buddhist background that says that liberation comes from not having desires. That if I'm trying to uh, create something, if I want more wealth or more health, that I'm actually going to be happier to not have those thoughts. That if I can, if I can accept what is and be happy with that, uh, then that is, is liberation. So I've got these two programs that are kind of at odds right now, and I want to uh, have a deeper understanding so I can see that they're not at odds. That's it. Great. So I'd like to just discuss the second part first about the uh, desires and no desires. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, that's actually something that I contemplate myself a lot. And there are defin- definitely differences in the philosophical structure of that. Now, what I have uh, seen that creates misery is the attachment and the craving to the thing. Now, to have specific likes and interests, I think that's one thing altogether. And uh, sometimes it's the denial of those things which creates misery. Now, I also think my experience is that oftentimes the uh, desire itself is only supporting me in my trajectory. Like going towards something specifically... um, it's supporting me in going where I need to be to do what needs to unfold through me. And uh, so the uh, invitation is to go forward without any attachment, meaning you have no attachment to actually having that thing. You're in full awareness that nothing outside of us can make us happy. And that's where misery is often created, is the belief that having this thing is going to make us happy in some way, in some capacity. Um, happiness comes from self-realization, right? The knowingness that, oh, I am happy. I am love. I am love. That is me. No uh, relationship is going to make me feel more loved. No car is going to make me feel more successful. No house is going to make me feel more abundant. Those are all spiritual qualities that are pre-installed within me now. With that said, and this is where, this is just, just, you know, I mean, again, pick it up and play with it. If, and again, uh, I think Ernest Holmes says, if it works for you, use it. So if what works for you is, um, actually, I have taken a vow to want nothing. And that's something that Venerable Dahani has said, is uh, when someone asked her once for, do you want a cup of coffee? She goes, I actually took a vow never to want anything. And so they stop and they go, would you like a cup of coffee? And she goes, yes, very much. Thank you. So it's within that want, you know, within the, within the, yeah, within the wanting is craving, right? Now, yeah. she likes a cup of coffee, but go ahead. 
Yeah, that's an important distinction that we suffer because of the attachment to the ideas of what we we want and what we, we think we want. And I'm old enough to have a lot of experiences where what I thought I wanted turned out to be not quite it. Uh, and I want to disparage those, that process. You know, I'm glad I had those experiences, and so I can relax a little bit now. Uh, in, in, at the Buddhist monastery, we are not allowed to accept or to uh, try to get anything that's not offered to us. Completely. Everything has to be offered, or, or we don't take it. It's that idea of, of not uh, grasping after anything. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but I've got years of, of monastic uh, training underneath my belt. And that uh, forms a kind of background into everything that I do. Um, here, here now, you know, I have the desire to be a part of this class, obviously. I've had this desire. Even before I knew it was a desire, it must have been in my subconscious mind because it manifested. And here I am. And I'm so happy and thrilled to be a part of this learning process and a part of this discussion. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. So, you know, it it really does, like, like I mentioned before, and it really, you know, I used to put so much pressure, here this comes again, so much pressure on myself to be more spiritual, which I interpreted as to want, you know, to have no, like, I... You know, there came a time where I took a vow never to want anything ever again, to have no more goals, because all my goals would always fall short. <laughs> and I was so sick and tired of feeling like a failure that I literally was like, you know what? I'm going to be uh, just available to be of service, and that's it. And I remember that uh, I uh, put things on hold, and I just assisted Jennifer for like a, a month or two. And that's all it took for me to realize, nope, that's not it either. So... I'm going to create new goals, but I'm not going to be attached to them. Yeah. You know? I'm not going to be attached to them. I'm going to trust that they are going to. And I also got very clear on how would I like to feel? How am I interested in feeling? But I started to take away the judgment that, you know, because I have interests, because there are things that I like to do, and we can get, you know, we can spend a lot of time deciding what words are more spiritual than others or whatever. It's the energy behind them. Words are symbols of symbols. So if you say, I want to do this, and what you mean is, I'd like to do that, I'm going towards that, but I'm still going towards it with no attachment, then they would, and you know, if you want to say, I, I unicorn that, say, I unicorn that, fine. Whatever works for you, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, sometimes people spend so much time trying to use the right spiritual lingo. It's like being spiritual is like a part-time job. If you don't have enough time to have another part-time job in your life, and let's just do our very best to be authentic and loving and kind and work through fearful thoughts as they arise, go towards things that feel exhilarating and exciting, knowing that the only thing that will ever make us feel loved is the realization that we are love, and then go towards the stuff that you like to do and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Again, we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We can choose to believe that we are here on purpose. So let's enjoy ourselves. And that's just a way of looking at life. And it is completely different than the monastic choice. You know, it's different than feeling, um, feeling inspired to release anything in the world and just be in meditation. But 
I understand now, and listen, I have monastic tendencies. I can come out and say that. I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> and listen, there are times that I much prefer sitting in meditation than going out there. But for whatever reason, uh, in this incarnation, here I am, a gay man in Los Angeles, in West Hollywood. You know, uh, I have a tendency to like to speak in front of people, to enroll people. I like to perform. And I can sit around thinking, well, that's just your ego. Like, how selfish. You just want that attention. But you know what? I've done so much healing work around what that means to me that I feel really clean with it. And I trust that I have specific gifts and talents that are going to support me in doing what I need to do so I can fulfill my divine contract, which to my knowing is to wake up to my oneness with God and inspire others to do the same. Exactly. And I'm no longer afraid of desires. I know that desires can propel us forward to, to be our highest self. Yes. Why I'm no Amen. longer in the mind. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, man. You know, and listen, there's work to do in the invisible. And if you feel inspired to go in a monastery and do the work in the invisible, and if that feels good to you, then go. But do so without attachment, you know. Because if, you know, like, I, I, I suspect even in the monastery, even the, the desire to wake up is also an attachment, you know. It's wherever, it's different forms for wherever we are. But we can trust that we are here exactly where we're supposed to be in this body, with this, with this sex, with our preferences, with everything for a purpose. Or we can just decide that everything's wrong and I'm doing it wrong and live in that kind of fresh hell, you know? And so that's why Byron Katie works with what is, what is. And it's not that we don't have desires with what is. Well, if, I, if I'm accepting what is, then, you know, then why, why would I ever want anything else? Or why would I uh, feel inspired by anything else? Well, if you are where you are and you have an inspired idea or you have something that feels interesting that you'd like to pursue, trust that that is what is as well. You're a person where you are that has an interest in, in, I don't know, whatever your thing is, you know, in fashion, and you feel inspired to go to the Fashion Institute. Well, that is what is. You're a person where you are now with an interest in fashion that is thinking about applying to the Fashion Institute. Now, trying to be like, I shouldn't want to apply to the Fashion Institute, that's what is, that's fighting what is. But going back to this idea of belief, and, you know, Brian, actually, uh, actually, to go to the first part of what you were talking about, about the physicality and your thoughts creating illness and all that stuff, I don't totally buy it either. I'll be honest. Um, I respect, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, like I, I really thought about it too. Like we can go into the ideas of karma um, and of past life uh, experiences yep. and burning off past life experiences. But we can also decide that we have, you know, if we are here on purpose, that there's an aspect of our consciousness um, of the mind that put us exactly where we are with whatever it is for specific reasons, learnings, perhaps because we wanted to experience it in this. I want to be born with a heart condition because I'd like to have the experiences of whatever, whatever, whatever then we can trust that it's perfect. 
There never has to be anything wrong. And even if your life is two and a half days, you lived a full, beautiful life. And it's only the thoughts that it was cut too short that would make that miserable and tragic. Yeah, that's the karmic explanation, and that res- that resonates with me, that we choose an incarnation to learn specific lessons, not just for us, but the people around us also. Perhaps that baby needed to die within two months because that was the karma of the parents also. Exactly. You know, we're also, inter- we're also interconnected. We can't just mm-hmm. make so such an easy uh, determination of good and bad, you know, because right. ultimately every soul is learning, every soul is... Uh, just being uh, in this realm, you know, doing what we do and, and being love and learning how to love better. Exactly. So, um, you know, I feel like, so yeah, there are things, guys, that I would literally say, I don't know. Now, do I agree with about 90% of the power of your subconscious mind book? Yeah, I do. Do I think it's a valuable resource to support us in getting crystal clear? on how the subconscious mind works, I absolutely do. Do I think it's a great uh, tool that will support us in understanding that uh, to strengthen and clarify aspects of our prayer process that we will be doing as practitioners? I absolutely do. Do I think that it supports us in getting clear that it is our thinking that makes us stumble, that creates, you know, our experiences in this realm? Yes, I do. Do I think that our thinking creates cancer. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, I, really, I, I really don't know. Uh, but with that, do I think cancer is bad? No. Do I think that there is freedom available with having cancer? Yes. Do I think that it's... A, hold on one second. Sorry, my mom's in the other room. She's playing something loud, so she's figuring out how to turn it down. HSC? Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. HSC, this is Mike. Do you think that thinking can help prevent cancer or help heal cancer? Yes. And I only say that because I've seen people do it. So I don't know. They so like, I don't like, it would almost be like whether or not, like, it can create it. It's just, like, to me, that it's like, okay, well, if it can, like, I don't know if that's true, but I kind of do believe as well that, like, you know, we kind of have a power, you know, like we're learning in this book that, like, it could heal it or, you know, maybe help prevent it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just that's one well, way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I've seen people heal... Um, I've seen people heal uh, disease. I mean, Jesus is the perfect example we talked about a lot. He was so in alignment with uh, the truth that he saw so clearly the truth of people that they were, they were able to have miraculous healings. But they believed so purely that he could do that, that their belief in him was able to meet him at the level of the mind with his belief in the truth, his knowing in the truth, that there was space for a miracle to unfold. So, with that said, listen, right now, as it stands today, I am a 34-year-old man in Los Angeles, California. I still have questions, and each day I'm getting more and more clear. 
okay? <laughs> and so the conversation continues to unfold. If there's no time and space, if that is but an illusion, then it makes sense to me that we can bring things from other experiences into this experience that is one continuous evolution of healing. And I can trust that um, because there's been cases of enlightened masters having cancer, but they didn't make it mean anything. They don't make the body mean anything. They understand that there's cancer within the body. I think they take the steps necessary to address that, and, but they don't allow themselves to create a story, a woeful story around it, a victim story, or make themselves special because of it. They trust that it is. It's what Byron Katie says. Are you going to argue with what is? Byron Katie has said, said this one thing, and I think it's so brilliant, and really contemplates this, especially on the break. She said, uh, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something to the extent of um, the experience of hell begins with the thought, I could use one more pillow. <laughs> meaning, meaning you're in a comfortable, wonderful bed, everything's perfect, and then you have the thought, maybe one more pillow. And that's where the experience of hell begins, when you start fighting with what is. One more pillow would make me happier. What else isn't working? Maybe a different color sheet. Maybe a bigger room. Maybe a bigger house. Maybe a different body. I hate my neck problems. My neck problems prevent me from enjoying life. And then it goes, you know. And here it goes. And, uh, yeah, so what we're really looking for is freedom from fantasy, really. You know, freedom from the thought that it should be different than it is. Total responsibility, clarity around the law of cause and effect, and then doing your best and throwing out this fakaka belief of what we think spiritual is <laughs> there ain't no robe, no bead, no uh, crystal that's going to make you more spiritual? Okay, there ain't no uh, yoga class, no um, guru, no nothing that's going to make you more spiritual. There ain't no specific meditation practice, chanting practice, prayer practice, um, philosophy, theology, anything that's going to make you more spiritual. There is no, uh, you know, if, if you're meditating two hours instead of uh, five hours, you know, if you're meditating two hours, it doesn't make you more spiritual than the person that's meditating five minutes, you know? So let's get clear that we are spiritual by birth. We can't not be spiritual, okay? And that doing our best to stay in alignment with love and to work through fearful thoughts as they arise, that's our job. And to accept what is. To accept that right now, I, uh, I know the truth of who I am. I'm just not feeling it. And that's perfect. How do I know? Because it's what I'm feeling, being honest. Now, as we continue our conversation, we'll talk more about this on retreat, there's being honest with where you're at, and then there is affirming a story. If you share once, open and authentically, that I'm having a challenging day at work because I feel this, this, and this. That's one thing. If you share it, you're being honest. You're checking in with where you are. 
But when you share it again for the second time, then you're just creating that story. But that's for another day. Right now, it's time to take a break. So it's 11.34. We'll take a five-minute break. I'll see you guys back at 11.39. Uh, refill your waters, the potty, do a stretch. Please keep your handhelds on mute and do not hang up. And I'll see you in a bit.
Okay, so we are back. So let's um, do. Uh, let's just uh, uh, follow up from our discussion that we were just having. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to uh, uh, say? Um, I had a strange experience uh, a few days ago. Um, I really could see how I was beating myself up, and and but um, but it was kind of elusive why I was doing it, and I I really think that I saw that that it's like we are choosing we choose to move away from God, it's like the to me, it's like the very heart of the matter. Why we choose to move away from God, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't got that one down yet. But I know that somewhere in our, our subconscious, I feel like, or something I'm not conscious of and why I'm doing it is why. Why do we move away from God? You're, uh, I haven't figured that one out yet. You're, you're in the course club, right? <laughs> no, can I hop back on? I'd like to, but no. You're not on the course club? No, I got off it. Oh, who's with Maggie? Do we know? Uh, uh, I told Maggie I wasn't to call you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's a different discussion then for a different time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, A Course in Miracles really says that it's a subconscious guilt that we have because we believe that we separated from God, which is impossible. So it's a subconscious guilt uh, that we believe we separated from God and that this whole experience is uh, sort of a um, extension of that belief. So all of this guilt, so all the shame, the fear, the everything that we experience is a result of that subconscious guilt, this belief that we separated ourselves from God. But if you think about it, it's crazy thinking because it's impossible to separate ourselves from God, right? And so we understand that in a, uh, like we can comprehend that sort of on a logical, in a logical way, but... Um, on a subconscious level, it's still there, it still resides. And so that's what we're doing through this work, right? Um, we're slowly sort of reminding ourselves of the truth. And how do we know we're making progress? We feel good. We feel better, <laughs> right? We have those moments of clarity and joy. And so you're so spot on, Lisa, when you're thinking it's like, there's a subconscious aspect of you that pulls you away. Though it's impossible to truly be pulled away from God, that makes us think that we're pulling away, that we're not in alignment. That makes us feel bad, right? And so the Course suggests that it is um, that, that subconscious guilt, this belief that we, you know, we, we kind of in a sense, we had to kill God in order to be free. But really, there's no freedom. What we've done is we imprisoned ourselves 
in this belief that we're alone, that we have to take in order to get, that we're not good enough, that there's competition, that there's judgment, there's all these things. And uh, so through the process of practicing these principles, through mastering the law, we get to realign with the truth of who we are, and in that is true freedom. So my subconscious mind belie- believes that I moved away from God when I didn't. That's what, yeah. that's what I'm suggesting. And that's for you to contemplate. Yeah, yeah. And do we do that every time we make a, quote, bad decision? You know, my, my conscience says maybe I shouldn't do that and do it anyway? Well... I, I like to think of uh, not saying bad decision, and I really encourage everyone to throw that out of your vocabulary and good work on saying quote-unquote. Um, I like to think of mistake, like we make a mistake. And it's such a more gentle way of working with this. And when I say we made a mistake, we made a mistake in identity. We just forgot that we were perfect love. And so... Working with the subconscious mind, working with law, working with all this stuff, we make a mistake, we make a decision uh, from a mistake of mistaken identity. And uh, then we have the experience, because that's how law operates, of that thought, of what it looks like, okay? I'm unlovable. Well, that's a mistake. That was a mistake in, in your identity. You are absolutely lovable. In fact, you are love. That is your true identity. But since in this realm, there is the law of cause and effect. We're going to have the experience of being unlovable because we can't not. But now, thank God, we know that we can choose to have a different experience. We can um, spend time with the belief, with the thought, I am lovable. It's my birthright. I'm great. I'm wonderful. I'm, I have all the possibilities of the world. I'm pure potential. I'm beautiful. I'm magnificent, and all of those things. And so we start just training our mind to be in alignment with the truth of who we are, and thusly we start shifting our belief systems through that practice, and we start having a different experience. I wonder if it's like Lisa, what Lisa said about like, you know, you don't know why you think that you're separate from God is maybe because of having these bodies, maybe it's that, you know, when we're in these bodies, like the density of the body that the soul is inhabiting, because they say like, you know, when you leave the body, I think it's like 0.22 gram or something is what your body leaves or whatever weight that that soul has, because it's not connected to the light or wherever we go into when we're meditating or something the density of the body makes us think or makes us think that we are separate from God. So it's like the maybe physical world. I don't know. My two cents. <laughs> well, A Course in Miracles says that the body is a symbol of the separation and that's it. It's a figure in a dream. It's a symbol of separation. It's one mind appearing as many. But that's the whole thing is, and the, our bodies are the central figure in the dream. This is very Course in Miracles stuff. This isn't new thought stuff that we're doing. or that We're kind of off course here a little bit, but I feel like it's apropos to address it in, in a little capacity. So uh, the body is but a figure in the dream. 
Remember, if you read the, uh, the, the section in The Course in Miracles that says the hero of the dream, so like it breaks down really clearly to what sort of the Course's theory of this human life experience is. That it's figures in a dream interacting with itself, making it very real. But with that said, we're human beings having a spiritual experience. Like we can get trapped in the 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 prison of of analysis, trying to analyze. Well, what does that mean? How does that mean? I'm just really trying to get back to it. Where that's not the point. That's why when uh, people would argue or debate the course and miracles, Bill Thetford, the original scribe of the course with Helen Schiffen, he would come and he would literally rip a page of the course out and throw it away. He's like, you're missing the point. The point is love. The point is enjoy yourself. And if you are getting worked up through the analysis and the debate, then you're missing the point of the course. I love that. I love that. How much freedom is there with like that? You know what? Let's just tear that page out and continue. What are you doing today to be happy? And that should be the question we ask ourselves every day in the morning. What am I going to do? What am I going to do today to make me feel happy? What's going to support me in feeling happy? How about starting with 10 minutes of meditation, writing a gratitude list, and calling somebody I love on the way to work? What about taking a nice shower and putting that lotion that I like on and maybe a spritz of that perfume that I absolutely love? Great. What about what about that scarf that I just love how it looks on me? I'm going to wear that scarf too. That feels really great and uplifting. You know, imagine if you were approaching each step of your day with that sort of awareness. What am I doing today to feel happy? How am I supporting myself? How am I taking care of myself? Wow, is eating this six-foot sub going to make me feel loving? Is that the most loving thing I could do right now? No, in fact, you know what? I think I'm going to have this sandwich instead. Just a just one sandwich, you know? And maybe have uh, some broccoli on the side because I know how my body feels when I eat broccoli. You know, I don't know. You know, it's continuing. And it's a, it's a journey. It's an adventure. But when I, I invite everybody that when you get really trapped up in that mind of what does it mean, 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 to pause, to learn how to pause and say, okay, is this making me happy? What am I doing today to be happy? All part of the journey. Do we you know, to I, go ahead, Lisa, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say what's making me happy uh, about this whole journey now is I'm starting to... I'm starting to, I kind of went into a rebellion and I had to figure out what am I rebelling against and I think what I was rebelling against was we really don't have to earn anything. We already have it. So there's no reason to earn anything and I don't want to earn anything. I don't want to earn something I already have or I don't want to go through the process of earning anything that I already have. And that I started to believe that what I have is there. I just can't see it. But I'm starting to believe it's going. I'm starting to believe it's going to appear. Are you there? Yeah. No, I'm listening. There's somebody else trying to call me. I don't. So, that, so that's why I asked that. But yeah, there's. I believe that it will just appear. I will see that I already have everything. And I don't know. I'm starting to believe that. It's not 100%. 
Yeah, I mean, the question always is, how am I supporting myself and seeing clearly? What gentle, loving things can I do for myself to support me in feeling loved? All right, guys. So, uh, do we feel complete? Beautiful. So, let us um, take out our Byron Cave Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. If you guys uh, weren't on the call last Saturday, I really encourage you well, it's sort of part of our part of our uh, process here. It's uh, our our absent policy. But uh, listen to the class, especially the second half, where we're doing the work with Mike. He was really great, really uh, brave and authentic. But uh, I think it was really relatable uh, for a lot of people. Uh, he did some work with his mom around his mom, and it was really powerful stuff. So. Thank you again, Mike. And uh, in, if you were in class, I encourage you to re-listen to it. Um, we have all of everything recorded for that purpose, so you can re-listen to stuff like this. And uh, so great, so insightful. Oh, and remind me too: five minutes, the last five minutes of class, to just talk about retreat stuff. But for now, and I'd like to share that I wasn't on the class last week, and I did listen to the talk show and enjoyed it immensely, and and really followed along. And what Mike was saying, and I think we all do this also, we, we see how it applies to our own life. And as you were saying, there, there is no new uh, conflict. There is no new, you know. Stressful thoughts, yeah. Stressful thoughts that we're all dealing with. Oh, man, I tell you. Isn't it, but isn't that, isn't that a relief to know there's no new stressful thoughts? Like we don't have to make them, take them so personally. There's no new stressful thoughts. It just is what it is. Okay, so um, we're going to do the first. Yeah, you can do the first three questions. We may not get to all three of them, but we're going to fill out the first three questions. So here's my invitation to everybody. This process works so much better when you work with something that doesn't feel totally healed. Like it's not like something that you're pulling from that you have all the insights and all of the perspective from all the healing work that you've done around it. So we can actually work with something that feels a little raw and a little fresh. Um, it makes for, uh, well, one, it supports you in healing, forgiving, releasing, changing your perspective. And also, um, again, let's not try to act spiritual. Like, well, that's not spiritual to have a resentment. It's as spiritual as the day is long. Well, how do we know that? Because we still have them. Okay, I still have a bucket list that I use with this sort of stuff, a list of things that I'm still working through. Sometimes it's institutions, but still, <clears throat> you know, let's, let's work with stuff that doesn't feel completely healed. So 11.55, we're going to start again at 12. That gives you five minutes. So take a moment and really um, do some investigative work and see what comes up for you. And um, we'll pull a name at random, Okay. Does it, work if, does it work if we're upset with ourselves? Uh, it, it, 
Uh, it does. It totally does. Like 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 we just saw this week with the guy with cancer. Um, for now, since we're still new to the process, it's easier to work with somebody else, someone outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So just for the sake of that, I really encourage you to work with a relationship or of some capacity. Um, we'll do uh, next this week on retreat. We'll do some stuff with ourselves. Okay. Thanks. You got it.
Okay, so it is noon. All right. Um, I'd like to offer the opportunity for um, people who have not been able to go through the process yet to do that. And I believe it's Brian and Lisa. Am I right? Has any, am I missing anyone? Has anyone else not been able to uh, do the process yet? Okay, so I have two slips of paper here, Brian. And out of Brian and Lisa, are either of you uh, opposed to working today? Oh, my goodness. You know what? I'm so sorry. I put everyone on mute. Can't hear a thing you're saying. Ah, hold on. Sorry. Unmute all. Okay. Sorry about that. So let's start from the beginning. Is there anyone I'm missing? Has anyone else not done the process yet? Or is it just Brian and Lisa on this call? Okay. Now, out of Brian and Lisa, are either of you not interested in working today? I'm good. Hey, Brian. You're good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, cool. So I'm going to have two slices of paper here. I'm going to fold them both up. I'm going to shake them in my hands. I don't know who this is. I'm going to take it. And, oh, Brian. Okay. Brian. Yep, we'll start with you. And uh, Lisa, just remind me that... uh, if we don't get to you today, that you get to be the first person to go on retreat, okay? Okay. No problem. Right. Cool. Great. So I'm going to invite everybody to take your Katie. Uh, gosh. Sushan has me with Katie Perry now. Uh, your Byron Katie. <laughs> your Katie Perry booklet. And open to, to California Girls page. Uh, to your Byron Katie booklet. Open to page 20 page 26, so we can follow along. Okay, Ryan, uh, you ready to rock? Yep. Okay, great. So, why don't you go ahead and share number one with us? Okay, I'm upset with James, who uh, just broke up with me uh, this last year after being together for four years. I'm upset with James because he promised to love me forever and to be my friend. Okay. So your say, read it one more time. I am upset with James because he promised to love me forever and be my friend. Great. So you're upset with James because he promised to love me forever, to love you forever and be your friend. Is that true? Yes. How um, can you absolutely know it's true that you're upset with James because he promised to love you forever and be your friend? Uh, Can you rephrase that, please? I I missed something. I said, can you absolutely absolutely know that it's true that you're upset with James because he promised to love you forever and be your friend? No. Okay. 
Because there's times when I'm not upset. I'm sorry, what did you say? Because there's times when I'm not upset. Mm -hmm. So how do you react? What happens when you believe the thought that you're upset with James because he promised to love you forever and be your friend? I I live in a world of upset. Mm -hmm. What else? How does that feel? Um... I I feel like I can't trust people when they say that they're going to do something and then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I and so it, I so I I feel um, very cut off, not only from James but from anybody who uh, says anything to me. And of course, that's right. not true. <laughs> So who would you be without the thought? I'd be much happier, much freer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Beautiful. So let's do some turnarounds. So the first one, I'm going to give you a suggestion. And the second one, you can find another turnaround and we'll work with that. But the one I find oftentimes that is really helpful is to just substitute the um, James's name for your name. And reread the line as is, but using your name. I'm upset with myself because I promised to love me forever or James forever and and be my friend. That's it. Keeping it about you. So repeat it one more time using your name. I'm upset with myself because I promised to love myself forever and be my friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So offer me three examples of how that's true, how you're upset with yourself because you promised to love yourself forever and be your friend. Three examples of why you would be upset with yourself for not loving yourself and being your friend. I'm I'm drawing, I'm having a hard time. I'm drawing a blank. Mm Mm-hmm. Could you ask me again one more time, please? <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, what are, give me three examples, I guess, three examples of how you were unloving to yourself and not being your own friend. Oh, okay. I, um, I'm worried. I, I'm worried about uh, why I... Um, don't feel love and don't feel that I'm a friend mm-hmm. or I don't feel loving and that I, I don't feel that I'm a, a good friend, mm-hmm. which is silly, but I guess mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, good. So can you see in this experience with James, um, doing this turnaround, how there's a truth in with the turnaround that you're upset with Brian because he promised to love you forever and be your friend? Mm-hmm. And how maybe, especially since we're talking about the situation in regards to James, how maybe you weren't 
loving to yourself and being a good friend to yourself. Right, because I'm still carrying on this idea of how he should behave towards me. Mm -hmm. Instead of just letting him go. Mm -hmm. So, let's go to number two. In this situation, how do you want uh, how do you want James to change? What do you want him to do? I want James to email me more often and share his life with me to tell me what's going on. Because that's he promised to do that. And he and he's not doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Read it one more time. I want James to email me more often and share his life with me to share what is going on. Mm-hmm. Is that true? No. I mean, yes, but no. I I think it would be better in the long run if I just let him go and not hold this over him that he's being bad and wrong because he's not emailing me often enough. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought? that he should email you and let you know what's happening in his life. I'm I'm depressed. I'm constantly waiting for an email. I'm anxious. I'm worried about him, uh, which uh, is also not true. It's just uh, this, the breaking up process. You know, he he was, he promised to to do it more humanely and not just cut me off. Mm Mm-hmm. So, who would you be without the thought that he should be emailing you more? I'd be free of, of all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's a really uh, easy turnaround for this one? So, uh, and I'm saying easy in the sense of um, what's, what's just the opposite of uh, I want James to email me. Yeah, I, I don't want or I don't need James to email me more often. Beautiful. What's three examples to make that, to back that statement up? Um, I have a full and wonderful life without him uh, being present. I am open and available uh, for love. Uh, where when I was with him, I wasn't open and available for love. And I'm a better person because of my relationship with James and how we grew together. And I can just be this better person without uh, having the history behind it that made me a better person. Right. Beautiful. 
Now, is this the first time that uh, an experience like this has unfolded for you? No. Was there a part of you going into this that suspected that it could, uh, were like, I don't know, were there any signs or anything that felt like, oh, this, you know, uh, I felt this felt similar or maybe that, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, but you decided to go forward anyway. Um, the the fact that he was in England and I was in the United States and there was very little uh, probability that we would uh, be able to, to create a relationship that worked, a long-distance mm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And everybody said how difficult it was going to be, and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. So in that, in a way, and, uh, be willing to play with me here a little bit, Brian. Uh, sure. And this could just be, you know, food for thought. Was that being a good friend to yourself? Uh, it made for a very difficult <laughs> uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. And it looked good because we talked every day. That's, again, why I'm we, – because we emailed every day. We, we talked so often. So mm-hmm. um, it, it appeared that it – that it was something, uh, and it was something that I was enjoying, that I was, was really uh, getting great benefit from. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was very difficult, especially for him, and uh, especially for him being younger in his first relationship, that I wasn't there present with him physically. He needed much more physicality than I did. It was his first relationship? It was his first relationship. Hmm. And uh, he's younger. How how old is he? He was 21 when we met, and he's 25 now. And were you guys together for four years? We were together for four years. He he was completely closeted. He had never even kissed anyone before. And... uh, great part of the blessing and that we both acknowledge is that I was a perfect first uh, lover for him uh, because I was so clear in, in my spirituality and bringing God and love. And, uh, and he, was, he was so fortunate to have me. Uh, and even in our breakup, he was so fortunate to have me because I totally understood and understand why he needed to find somebody closer. He was suffering because I wasn't there. If I could have been there, it would have been wonderful, but I'm not. Um, Uh And so he needed to move on. And it was Uh really great that I was able to, uh, he came out because of me. He came out to his parents and he thought it was going to be the end of the world. And they completely supported him in his coming out process. His friends, everybody that he thought was going to wreck his life. And he had a wonderful coming out experience. Okay, beautiful. So, um, and I'm only saying beautiful because I'm turning it back to you. Uh-huh. Um, what did, because it's interesting here, like I understand clearly, I can see totally clearly, I think anyone could, the benefits 
of being in a relationship with you. I think anyone who knows you or has met you understands the benefits of being in a friendship with you and what you bring to the table. But uh, knowing what we know, knowing, like, I know myself when I was 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, I was not great at keeping my word as far as commitment and responsibility goes. Right. Um, and in retrospect now, yeah, exactly. And knowing that, if I were to get into a relationship with a 21-year-old and expect him to do something that probably isn't in his skill set or in his maturity level to do and then resent him for it and then be angry with him for it, that really what that feels like is that's not being loving to myself. That's that's a great insight that, that uh, really resonates for me. Well, and it also gives me permission to stay in a space of, how do I say this? How am I feeling? It's coming through me, Brian. Um, it makes me comfortable in the pattern of it not working out. And it also, um, you know, I get, uh, there is a, something that is fed within me when I get to sort of be in the mentor position at times, which yeah, I have to I be totally, consciously, yeah. I totally see that, that that a part of it is my my mentorship is that I'm in a teaching position and I like that and it's not the same as being equals in a partnership. Yes. Yes. And it, but what's interesting is the upset arises when the person that has, you know, so little life experience, not even, you know, how long have you been out of the closet? 40 years. Yeah, so you have 40 years of experience of being out, having worked through that, having relationships, being in love, out of love having all these things, and then to, I mean, we know, we've all had those experiences, we've all had those stories, I mean, at least as, as gay people, uh, for those of us who are, and for those of us who aren't, we have different, you know, this could be relevant to any other thing, um, of knowing the, sort of the uh, process of what it does, and how chances are I'm going to be the first boyfriend, you know, but when there's more freedom and there's those secrets and there's more, you know, it's like that whole, especially being at a certain age and then having a new experience walking into like a candy store, you know, and what a valuable experience that was. And not to say it's everyone's experience, but we could also say typically there's a little exploration that needs to unfold. And so, to be able to have all, to, with the information we have, one, he's in a different country. One, you know, he's just coming out of the closet. There's a whole new world opening up for him. And, um, you know, uh, and then we will, I mean, that's perfect, you know, perfect ammunition, to perfect evidence to support, you know, he wasn't a good boyfriend. Well, of course he wasn't. You, you know, of course he you know. Let me share something about the, the really the heart of my upset. It has to mm -hmm. do with me being a, a teacher of spiritual principles. Uh, mm -hmm. Number three, James should open up to me more and not treat me like I will be hurt 
if he shares about his new boyfriend with me. He has a new boyfriend, mm-hmm. and he doesn't mm-hmm. share, and I think it's because he's trying to spare my feelings. But as mm-hmm. the teacher, I'm not concerned with my feelings. I'm concerned with his level of honesty, which is why I encouraged him to come out of the closet in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, I want him to be just so free to share how happy he is with his, no- with his new boyfriend. That would make me happy. What makes me unhappy is being treated as if somehow, if he's not authentic with me, uh, it's, going to, it's going to make me feel better. And that's what really galls me. <laughs> he should know better. He should know that he could be completely honest with me and talk about his new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And that even though I might have a little nostalgia and guy, oh, I wish that was me, I would much prefer that he really be a friend to me, which means that he share everything with me. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> uh, did, you, did James enroll you as his teacher or as his boyfriend? My boyfriend, his boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But, but he knew right away from, from, from the first few chaps, chats that I, was, uh, that I was a teacher for him. And I kind of, I kind of played up that role also. You know, so uh, there's a lot of my but, own responsibility. But, yeah, yeah, well, it's all your responsibility. And that's why this works so brilliant. Is... Yeah, he might have seen that you were going to be a teacher for him. All of our relationships are, but he didn't say, ah, didn't say, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, hey, hot guy, let's be boyfriends. And you right. said yes. And so you're upset because he's treating you like an, an ex-boyfriend, which you are. Right. Because I know that sometimes, for me, my experience with having ex-boyfriends is there's a time where I just need space and yeah, I'm not going to share all of my new exploits with my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that's where he's coming from. Yeah, for sure. And so your, you know, so your upset comes from the fact that he's treating you like an ex-boyfriend, which you are, because he never enrolled in your, you know, he never signed the papers and paid the entry fee for your classes. <laughs> you know, he's not t- he's not tithing you. He was right. your he was your ex-boyfriend. Right. Yeah, I get it. So let's go back to number two again. So what was what were the other things that you read? Sorry? So let's go back to what you just read on uh, number two. Uh, or was it? Yeah, okay. Well, let's, just go to number, uh, let's go to number three, actually. In this situation, what advice would you offer to them? Or, um, one more time, please. On number three, going to number three, in this situation, what advice would you offer to them? What do you have written? James should open up to me and not treat me like I will be hurt if he shares about his new boyfriend with me. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So um, what's the turnaround there? Let's play with the turnaround. So read it one more time as written. James should open up to me and not treat me like I will be hurt if he shares about his new boyfriend. Okay, what's the turnaround for that? What's the bla- what's the obvious one? James the shouldn't opposite. open up to me. Yeah. And, and he should continue to treat me uh, with 
circumspect about his new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. How do we know that's true? Because that's, that's, that's what's so. That's what's happening. Yeah. And and we talked about that. He he said, you know, I he doesn't feel comfortable sharing with me how he used to because now he's sharing with his new boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Now replace his name with your name in that turnaround. Same sentence, just replace his name with your name. I shouldn't no, with the with original I, I, just I should name. I should open up to myself and not treat myself as if I'm going to be hurt by my sharing about my life. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in the same way, sure. But I yeah, I should open up to myself and not treat myself as if I'm going to be hurt if I share something. Ooh, that's really true. How mm-hmm. many withholds do I have? How many things that I feel uncomfortable about sharing because I'm going to be judged, which is what Kelly shared in the Byron Katie work about judgment and how, uh, you know, we, we live in fear of judgment. I so live in fear of judgment. Even, even my fellow classmates here, you know, if I say a, a couple things, I, I'm, I know you guys are are going to take it and and help me, and at the same time, I'm I'm scared shitless that you're going to judge me. Okay, let's pause right here. <laughs> Hold on one moment, Patsy. You there? I am. Yes. Patsy, have you ever been afraid of not sharing in this class because you might be judged? Uh, uh yeah, sure. Great. Thank you for sharing. Lisa, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Have you ever been afraid that you might be judged for something that you've shared in this class? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, have you ever not shared because you're afraid that you might be judged for what you were sharing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. That's odd. I'm seeing some sort of pattern here. Sushant, <laughs> have you ever not shared because you thought you might be judged for what you were sharing? No, I I haven't not shared, but I have been scared, scared that I would be judged, yeah. Okay, great, thank you. Hey, Mar, how about you? Have you ever uh, shared or... With never! Word that you might be, no. Never? <laughs> no, no. Everyone, oh. once again, everyone but Mar... <laughs> all, all the time, yeah. every single time. Well, Mar-, Mar was too checked out to really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, no new stress thoughts, right? <laughs> There's no new stress thoughts. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant understanding. I mean, if I had to. Huh. You know, my ex-boyfriend was my greatest teacher. He taught me how to forgive. He taught me how to have my own self-worth. He taught me so many wonderful things because um, he didn't show up and be the way that I needed him to be as a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Um, 
when really I wasn't showing up to be the way that I wasn't showing up to be the person I needed to be to love myself, to be a good boyfriend to myself, to be a good boyfriend, to be a good friend to myself. That's putting all the expectations. They needed to show up and do something specifically. So we act as dictators, right? We act as dictators. This is the way that you need to act. This is the way you need to see me. Now, see, what you're not doing here is you're not realizing that I have, you know, 40-some-odd years of Buddhist training, pal, so I'm a spiritual fucking legend here, and you need to know that you need to share intimate details of your new relationship with your new boyfriend so that I can be a, show you what a master I am. You're not giving me that. that you're not letting me do that. You know? I'm... I'm... I don't know if you, you guys can't see me, but I'm crying also. I'm crying and laughing at the same time. I'm getting a lot of emotional release, especially the idea that you're all there with me in this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. And I see how I treat relationships uh, as uh, this ego thing of look at how bitchin' I am and I'm the teacher and I'm going to help you and yada, yada, yada. And that yeah. really has nothing to do with real relating. You know, enroll some students. Date your boyfriend. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> listen, like, I don't think that there's any one person here that could say that, yeah, of course I've had intimate situations with someone that I've got confused and we thought we should be dating and really we were just karma brothers or, you know, dharma brothers or, or you know, soul sisters or something like that. Like, of course, we've, you know, it's a whole journey that we take, but, but after, but, you know, we have to honor the fact that you en- enrolled in a relationship, you enrolled each other to be in a romantic relationship. And what he is doing is, is treating you like an ex-boyfriend. And how great is that? Especially if there really is that much love, like, good the guy came out of the closet. He's now having his first out-of-the-closet relationship. That's a wonderful. You know, love him from here. And I'm sure he loves you too, but that doesn't mean you have to have lunch. Yep. Yep. You know? That's true. That's very true. How do you feel, Brian? I'm, I'm, I'm even lucky that we continue any kind of communication. And he always... Sure. You know, he, I know that he loves me, and he says I love you. Uh, and I know that that love has changed, and it's now more of a spiritual love than the romantic love. And I'm, I'm, I'm really okay, even though it's kind of hard to say that. But no, I really am okay. That it was a wonderful relationship, learned from it, and here I am. Here I am. Yeah. And now, even on this side, you have more clarity. Mm-hmm. And now you know next time when you enter into a relationship, you can say, am I being a good friend to myself? Right. And I don't be, am I being a good boyfriend to myself? Mm-hmm. I don't need to confuse the roles or try to join the roles. I don't think that I need to be a, a teacher in order to be a boyfriend. Yeah. Or I don't need to be a teacher to be a friend, period. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That feels good. That resonates with me. Beautiful. 
All right. Well, any, does anyone have anything that they'd like to add to this, to uh, Brian's process? Great. All right. So let's talk really briefly about this week, an exciting week. Um, we need to figure out carpooling, who's riding with whom. Um, so let's get on that. And also, uh, we are going to be meeting at 9 a.m. at the Heart Center. 9 a.m. at the Heart Center on Wednesday. So if you have to come down that hill, Pat Meyer, you come down the hill, give yourself some extra time so you can get there on time. Uh, know that it's, you know, it's 9 a.m. rush hour around that time. So give yourself plenty of time to get to the Heart Center, 9 a.m. We're going to meet there. We're going to connect. We're going to show Mike and Stephen the Art Center because they haven't uh, seen it yet. Uh, very excited to see you both. Um, and then we are going to do just a little bit of a practice, a little meditation prayer thing, I think. We might just have some um, snacks, too, and just connect with each other. And then we are going to go to the uh, Lake Shrine. We're going to go to Lake Shrine. And there's an offering practice that we're going to do there that I really love that Jennifer taught me. Uh, and then from Lake Shrine, we're all going to head down to Joshua Tree. Uh, and we'll set up. We'll get things rolling. We'll uh, do a little chill out, um, uh, unpack, get all that stuff done. I'm going to make dinner, and, uh, then, we're going to, and then it begins. And we're going to have a really fun, a uh, lot of work, guys. So be prepared. We're going to be doing a lot of work. On this uh, on this retreat, and um, and we're gonna really explore service, service. So just be prepared to be of service. <laughs> Remember, we're learning, we're strengthening our muscles, we're learning how to be present for love, um, and uh, we're gonna do a lot of good, awesome work workshops. We're gonna learn some um, some uh, prayer treatment skills, some facilitating skills as well as having a little fun as well. So I'm looking so forward to it. And um, I'm actually not going to be at service tomorrow. It's my one-year wedding anniversary. So we're going to go do something fun. And uh, Candace G. will be there. She's amazing. So I really encourage everyone to uh, go see her. She's a great speaker, awesome lady. Um, And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody 9 a.m., on Wednesday at the Heart Center with big smiles on your faces. And, uh, oh, and to bring. Make sure that you have a journal with you, a journal and writing utensils. Um, make sure you bring your toiletry stuff, a face wash, toothpaste, toothbrush, uh, soap. They don't provide soap, so get bring soap and shampoo, and a little travel size things like that. Um, Sacred items for the altar. Oh, yes. Thank you, Kelly. And a sacred item for the altar. A sacred item for the altar. Something that is special to you that we can put on the collective altar. And we'll do a little ceremony to open up the altar. So bring a sacred item to put on the altar. Um, yeah, that's it. Just maybe to clear it with you, I was planning on bringing my massage table and offering massage during free time. Is that appropriate? <laughs> if you're offering it to me, yeah. 
<laughs> are you are you mean you're you're being of service to me and being my personal masseuse on the retreat? Thanks, Brian. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, bring it, dude. You know, I honestly I don't know how much free time you you practitioners specifically will have, but bring it. Let's see what we can do. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Lovely. Cool, guys. Um, well, do we have to the. Go ahead. You you want to talk about carpooling? Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. Oh, carpooling. Um, yeah, so uh, who actually has a car that they want to drive down? I'm, I'm driving, but I'm full. Yeah, you're driving. You have your friend with you. So. I'm, I'm bringing a friend and my table in the back seat. Great. Cool. Uh, Jesse, I, I'm driving out there. I'm driving. Okay, let's... let's Sushant, you've got Stephen with you, I'm assuming? Yeah. Do you have anybody else with you? No, because it's a small car, and like with his stuff maybe in the back and my stuff, I don't really think that... Your fault? Okay. Yeah. Okay, Lisa, you said you're carpooling? Or you're yes. driving? And you yes. have Tom with you? Yes. Is that correct? Anybody else, or just the two of you for now? Just the two of us. Okay. Do you have room for anybody else? Uh, yes, I have the back seat. Okay. So probably one more with bags and stuff. Right. Is Patsy or Mar driving, or do you guys have rides yet? We're riding together, but we have a... Uh, a trunk that is inoperable, so we have stuff in our back seat. Beautiful. Okay. Um, do we know if Chris Tompkins can drive? Or Ellie? Yeah, he has a car. Chris has a car, and he's driving. I bet Ellie will need a ride because Karay's going to come down later. Right. Maybe Ellie and I can go in Chris's car. And then we still have Mike Marinkovich, I think is the other one we need to get us. He um, might have a car rented. Actually, I'm not going to. Ta-da. Oh, you're not? Oh, so I would, you're, oh you mean you're on the call somewhere? Yeah, I'm on the call. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? So, okay, yeah. Now, do you need a ride from LAX or is that taken care of? No, 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 no. Like, I, I could show up at the heart Center. Okay. If anyone could fit me in, that'd be nice. We'll find it. We'll find a way. Sweet. Okay, so we'll figure. We'll probably try squeeze one more in with Lisa, and then we'll talk to Chris Tompkins. I think, and we'll be good after that. Yeah, so and if push comes to shove, you can just sit on Patsy's lap. <laughs> <laughs> Which really is. Awesome. I'm really, I'm really okay it's, with that. It's an awesome experience. <laughs> it's an awesome. She'll sing. She'll sing hymns to you. It's awesome. <laughs> You know what? In fact, I'm sitting on Patsy's lap. <laughs> <laughs> I talked myself hey, into it. Kelly, do you know if Tom has a right? He does. Yeah, yeah he's, he's going to go with he's Lisa. Lisa. Okay. And then, oh, plus, uh, Amina has a car, too. She's going to be driving down. Yeah, but she's, I don't know if she was going to carpool because she's staying extra and all, so I think there was concern. But uh, so she might be able well, to carry I mean, out. When it comes to work, I, I can ride with her if somebody can, because Chris is okay, going to bring my car, so I, I can bring people back. Okay. Need to be. 
And I, I'm not going to need a ride back either. I'm getting picked up from the where the retreat. And that's like if you have a legit ride. You're not just going to turn on grinder <laughs> and, and assume you're going to get a ride. Like you really need one. No, my my dad's uh, going to come pick me up. I'm going to spend a, a day and a half. Paul Marinkovich Aww. in the house. Love that. Paul Marinkovich in the house. Woo-hoo. Cool. Um, okay. All right, and that's that's everyone, right? Yeah, I'd say I'll get hold of Chris Tompkins, and then I'll email out the list in a little while. Beautiful, beautiful guys. Thank you. I can't wait. It's gonna be so much fun this weekend. I can't wait. And uh, I mean, this week it's gonna be so much fun. Uh, a lot of meditation. Wear bring comfy clothes. Bring sweaters. We're gonna do a fire puja. So. Uh, be prepared for all that, and uh, and I'll start the list, the waiting list for massage. Yeah. There's a long wait list. I'm on there a hundred times already, so if there's room, you can do it. Um, Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for this time together. I know, I'm seeing us all holding hands in a sacred circle. We're so blessed to have one another. How grateful I am to have participated in such a loving community. Thank you, Brian, for sharing so authentically and openly. Thank you, everyone, for always, always opening up your heart, shining your light. What a great adventure this is. I'm so grateful to be on the path with such mighty companions, such beautiful friends, such holy spirits. Oh, in grace and gratitude, I share my joy that is overflowing through me with everyone because I'm one with them. And so it is. Amen. 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 Guys, I look so forward to uh, spending this time with you. It's so how exciting. Um, I love you all. And uh, email me or Kelly with questions. Bye. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.